Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Brent Trimble, and today I'm joined by our guest, Ingo Romer. Ingo is the Chief Operating Officer and Senior Solution Architect at Solvit. Solvit's a firm with expertise at implementing, integrating, customizing both CRM and professional services cloud solutions such as Cantata and Salesforce. Today, our discussion is going to be around merger and acquisition change management, and we're going to use Ingo's experience and dig into some of the best practices, common pitfalls from things like data integration, analytics, and where to focus first. Ingo, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. So we thought, you know, this would be really relevant because as we canvas our partners, certainly our clients, our prospects, many of our listeners will generate growth and scale through M&A activity. Services firms, hybrids, consultancies, system integrators, everyone in between, you know, they'll often reach a certain size, look out at the landscape, acquire another firm, merge with another firm, partner, uh, however that dimension occurs, and then uh, bring them in to the fold. Global M&A activity, you know, I looked at some stats from Bain and McKinsey and so forth, is certainly down. There's, you know, some, some softness in the economy, a little bit of bumpiness down anywhere between 30 and 40% year to date. But we know that that oscillates and changes over time. And, and we've certainly been in discussions with lots of clients who are either contemplating an acquisition, mid-acquisition, maybe they're being acquired or they're post-acquisition. So we thought it would be great to get your insight on that whole process as it pertains to professional services. But before we do, it would be great for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, your firm, Solve It. Yeah, sure, Brent. Thank you. So our uh, my background, actually, is I went to uh, graduate out of college with an engineering degree, and I got started in the space science industry working on rocket and satellite systems for some of the space agencies like NASA and ESA. And that was back in the late 80s. Eventually started a firm, went out on my own, and started selling, of all things, internet access back in the day. So this is in the early 90s. Uh, opened up a uh, co-location business and whatnot and grew the business over the years. And after about five years, I sold it in 2000 to a telecom out of, out of Canada. At that point, I took a break from tech and believe it or not, opened up a couple of restaurants and uh, with my brother and completely went in a different direction for a while, ultimately getting pulled back into tech when some uh, new project came out from the local university here and pulled in as a project manager. Started using Salesforce at the time to help manage some portions of the project. And that was back um, about 13 years ago, back in 2010. And I kind of adopted Salesforce as kind of an interesting platform to, uh, to utilize for business management, business development, things like that, project management. And that knowledge and experience kind of dovetailed with something that a good friend of mine was doing, Peter Rosick. Peter had started this company called Sodna Consulting, which was a Salesforce implementation company. So we're mid-2000s, if you will. He and I are friends. We're, you know, he approaches me eventually and says, you know, he'd like to try to grow this business a little bit more and expand on it. So at that point, he'd been a, an implementation partner. He'd been in, in the Salesforce ecosystem for about 20 years. Uh, I came on board with my business development background and my tech experience, if you will, 
to help grow the business. So fast forward to today, we went through a rebranding process. Um, Sadna, we thought, was a little too obscure and uh, too common in some circles. And so we decided to change the name. And we went through a whole rebranding marketing exercise, which, by the way, is a, a, an effort, uh, to say the least. So we're about a year and a half into it now. And Solvit was the name that they developed. So here we are at Solvit. We rolled out the name a couple of months ago. We have continued to be a Salesforce implementation partner. We're based just north of Boston, and we've turned into also a PSA implementation partner, specifically with Cantata. That came about through us ourselves looking for our own organization for a PSA solution and vetting numerous packages. We ended up selecting Cantata, back then it was called Kimball, as the platform for us to use internally. When... The folks at Cantata found out what we did. They approached us about becoming a partner. So this was back in 2016. And we decided to take it on as a kind of a service line within our organization and specialize in its implementation. So we use it internally ourselves, have done so for since 2016. And uh, we have been an implementation partner since 2016. That's great. And for our listeners, you know, you and I have actually had the opportunity to work a couple times together, collaborating with some clients. And I think additionally, a background in the food service restaurant industry is extremely useful and relevant to professional services. I mean, you know, there's no greater pressure, ability to multitask, ability to balance client expectations with delivery. In that business, so that's a that's a great. <laughs> you know, I, and I think I was thinking that when I started this career path, Brent. So that's yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> it really is, and you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I've scaled some teams over the years, and I remember this one firm in particular, in in like a digital transformation context. And a lot of the resumes I saw, if I saw that a potential analyst or kind of entry level team member had done some summers, waiting tables, cooking, certain mixing drinks. I was like that. That's usually, usually some good grit and they know how to deal with clients. So that's a, that's a great, uh, great insight there. But so pivoting over, you know, the firm does a lot of SI work, analysis, evaluation, and then ultimately helping clients with maybe their Salesforce implementation or PSA like Cantata. But we, one of the reasons we reached out was you have extensive experience in pre, during, and post M&A activity. And we see, of course, a lot of that, even though, of course, M&A activity is a little bit down at the macro level, we certainly see quite a bit of that globally. You know, the first part of the question would be, when do you get engaged typically? Could be in all three phases, and I'd love to hear a little bit about that and why clients reach out to you. And then I'd love to talk about some themes that potentially emerge in that process. Yeah, sure. And you're right. We have seen and done, and we still and we're in the middle of doing a number of projects right now uh, with companies that have made recent acquisitions and are looking to kind of pull these new acquisitions into the fold. What we are seeing is a couple things. Starting early is usually the best uh, the best place to be. So in other words, understanding early on what you're going to be doing uh, with this new newly acquired company and and how you're going to bring them into the fold and getting a lay of the land. So in other words, you know, here's what we look like today and this is how we're working today. And in most cases, what they're doing is they're bringing in a PSA solution into the organization, if you will, to the parent organization and deploying it. But at the same time, they are incorporating this acquisition or sometimes multiple acquisitions simultaneously. 
And so understanding all the moving parts early on is important. Historically, we've seen customers come to us and they have already headed down a path before we've gotten involved, let's say from an analysis point of view. Uh, And what I mean by analysis, meaning we haven't worked with them to understand their processes as they exist today and what the roadmap will look like in the future. When they've come to us, they've got this clear picture in their minds of how things are going to work. The challenge can be numerous in that case because they don't necessarily know how the PSA application works, right? And so they've designed a solution and with all good intention. And then when they finally present that to us, we have to do a rewrite sometimes because certain things might not work the same way that they expect it, or they have maybe not thought of taking advantage of other functionality that's built into the system that could help them you know, streamline their processes. So even though we haven't gotten to them in the beginning, we have to kind of do a slight rewrite. Hopefully they've got the time to do this and they are willing to spend that uh, extra effort. If we can get to them sooner, we do Uh, And we're seeing this recently more so with these recent acquisitions, and that is a CFO will come to us saying, we need to redo our processes. We know we want to get into the system. We want to do a complete breakdown of our current operational model, how it looks like today, what's the roadmap look like in the future with this new clients, if you will, these new organizations coming into, into our organization. And that's the best place to be. That's when we can come up with a complete rewrite potentially of their functional design on how they're going to be doing delivery management, right? And so on and so forth. So if we can get started early, wonderful. If it's something that they come to us and they've already got this plan in place, we might have to take a look underneath the uh, the hood a little bit here and maybe do a little bit of mechanics to re-engineer it to fit better with the, with the application they're going to be rolling out. What's the impetus usually for that reach out? Let's think about it, I guess, Probably the most common would be, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, but the most common would be a firm reaches a certain scale, certain size. They then acquire maybe a smaller firm that does a specific capability that they don't have and they want to build and scale. Or an adjacent firm, it could be a firm that does work that's very similar to theirs, maybe in a different uh, market that they want to penetrate, geography and so forth. At what stage of consideration are they bringing you in or what's maybe like the pain or the impetus that forces that reach out and then, and therefore you have work to either go through and do that reconstruction and refactoring? Yeah, usually it's, it's the systems and the processes become disconnected. So what ends up happening is, is people start pulling data offline and start working on it in spreadsheets and in, in other mediums that they feel that they have maybe better control and then, you know, your record of truth starts to starts to disintegrate, right? So initially your system was your record of truth. And now you've got multiple spreadsheets in different areas. It could be in finance, could be in operations, project management, whatever it might be. At that point, hopefully somebody or some people in the organization are realizing we got to bring this all back together. And, you know, we got to find a better way to pull us in and re-engineer ourselves. That's a major pain point that we find because it takes more time to manage it that way. Revenue leakage is huge. Typically, um, they don't have a clean view of their overall project profitability, margins, and things of that nature. And believe it or not, it's it's mostly finance that drives that requirement. And so we'll see a lot a lot of times that it's finance asking the tough questions about the revenue, about the margins, about the costs, and so on and so forth. And they raise the flag that then turns around, and you know the CFO ultimately will reach out to us saying, "Hey, we've got a challenge here. Go to the professional services organization, guys. We got to tighten up the ship." And we need some help. And so there's multiple, I would say, multiple pain points potentially that are driving that. The other thing that you see too is 
you have a very solid organization with very good processes in place. But like you said, Brent, they bring in this new group and this new group might have some very interesting either service items that they're delivering or processes in place that they may want to incorporate into their existing system. Or potentially they've got completely standalone data in a different org, for example, two Salesforce orgs, right? So this sits on a Salesforce platform. The primary uh, company is making the acquisition. What we end up seeing is this new organization is coming in and they've got their own Salesforce org. And this data that's in the system obviously has to be merged back into this new parent system. And so a lot of times clients will reach out to us and start the process, hopefully early enough to realize we've got to get the data level set first before we can actually roll out a solution. Or we got to get the data level set or re-engineered in order to incorporate this new group into our existing solution. So I would like to think it's as simple as... There's three or four classic scenarios, but it's as diverse as the different companies that we work with. It's rather interesting. You know, we've all lived through that, right? Um, our our brand went through a merger some time ago, and and there were uh, disparate systems. I mean, we were all in the same business, right? But doing different things. And in service companies, SI, embedded service, uh, management consultancy, marketing services, of course, deal flow is really everything, right? Engagements coming in. Yeah, exactly. Conversations. Uh, moving them through the pipeline, I think by default to you know your description, organizations come together and suddenly they devolve into spreadsheets because they're more comfortable with that. They have more control. I think the notion is usually first before operations, maybe bringing client relationship CRM data together. Would you agree with that? Totally. That you totally. usually start there. Yeah. And so. With that probably correct assumption, right, because they're scaling with deals or scaling with relationships, what's the order, the sequence you recommend of action to give leaders that big picture, that array of here's our comprehensive deal flow? You know, we know these brands are now going to mold into one or the, the tuckins uh, now being acquired. We need to get this data looking together. What did... What are the steps you recommend leaders take as they go through this journey of pairing technology? And then, and then of course, technology is just the conduit. It's really about getting to the data. Yeah, it totally is, Brent. Obviously, the, at the leadership level, understanding the amount of effort it's going to take, the cost, ultimately, and the duration of, of a project like this, and what the final outcome is going to look like, what that roadmap will be, I think the critical areas that they're going to want to see And then they're going to want to be able to measure the results as they go through this process and ensure that they're on track to get to that endpoint. So the first thing, let's assume that this organization is looking overall to deploy a PSA uh, solution. They've made a number of acquisitions and they want to basically have this picture in their mind of what the future will look like. The best place to start is they have to bring all the data in-house. So we have to go ahead and, and get on a single system. So if we use Salesforce as the example, Salesforce is is a mature platform. It's out there. You're almost certain to see uh, most clients will have it. What you got to do is you got to bring that data in to that one house, if you will, under that one roof. You have to come up with a plan for that. And so you have activity, sales activity that's, that is in flight. You have... KPIs that you're measuring, you know, within your own org and, and, and this acquisition is probably doing in their own org. And so you got to build out a very clear and succinct plan to get that data out of the system, translated correctly and back into the new system because they're not going to be, it's not going to be a one to one relationship, right? So that transformation is going to be critical and, and understanding the, 
the necessary deduping that you might have to do because it's very likely when you are acquiring these, uh, these these organizations that they're doing similar work and therefore maybe crossing paths with similar clients or leads or opportunities that your own sales uh, sales folks are dealing with. So you got to be very cl- clear about cleaning up this data and getting it all under that one roof. And don't underestimate the level of effort that it's going to take for that. Merging a couple of orgs, two or three orgs, can take several months, if not more, of effort to get it done. It has to be very well mapped out. The plan has to be very clear and the timing has to be right. You don't want to be doing it end of year, right? Uh, you don't want to be doing this maybe during quarter end when financial reporting is critical and important. So the timing is critical. Once that first step is taken into effect, you can at the same time in parallel be planning that that PSA deployment and what that's going to look like because that starts really at the functional level. You don't have to put hands on the keyboard yet. You have to come up with a functional design of how that final outcome is going to look. And it may be a matter of incorporating, obviously, what the parent organization has and what the acquired organizations have, or some sort of blend thereof, getting that part of that functional design document in place in order to then have that sense of, okay, here's the plan, here's here's what the duration is going to be, here's the schedule, and then here's the effort it's going to take and what we're going to do as far as the steps go to get us there. Pitfalls that people run into is having the right teams working on this is, is critical. You need business leaders. You need representatives from the various areas like finance, professional services, operations, things like that, and, and IT. But you need to think at a high level in terms of business and business processes and requirements. Don't get hung up on necessarily integrations, which can be a, a rabbit hole uh, and a distraction. You know, really think high level first and then work your way down in the plan. And you, you mentioned um, the maturity of, of Salesforce as a CRM. And of course, it, it wouldn't necessarily have to be Salesforce, but let's let's say it's a could be dynamic. It could be yeah, sugar. Uh, yeah, exactly. Be, yes. a, a mature CRM. The ambition, of course, after M&I is to get this data synchronized and harmonized as quickly as possible. Practically, what kind of time investment, you know, say this is, an, this is a firm of a couple hundred folks, maybe they've acquired a firm of a hundred folks, and to give folks a real practical, realistic view of time is this is, I'm sure, months versus weeks, but what's a good barometer to measure and, and evaluate how much time and effort it's really going to take? The first question would be, how mature is the org? So if they've had it for five years, 10 years, 15 years, the the, the older the org, the more data, the more potential customizations they will have in it. And we have tools and there are tools available that help us identify customizations, metadata, configurations and things like that, that allow us to see quickly just how customized potentially this this, uh, solution is or this, this CRM platform is. We can then turn around and create some estimates. But if you were to look at an organization, let's say it's like 200 users that you're bringing in and it's, you know, a 10 year old platform and they're using it fully. So in other words, they're, they're going right from quote to cash, so to speak, right? So they're, they're tracking their accounts, their leads, their accounts, their contacts or opportunities, closing deals, could be generating contracts out of there, could be storing files and things of that nature. If they're doing that sort of thing, you're going to look at probably anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks worth of effort to get the data out and in a format that can go into the um, the acquiring organization system. So I think the important thing is get on it quick. Also, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. The important thing will be to get an early start on it and spend the right amount of effort to make it happen correctly. I, a lot of folks try to cut it short, right? You know what I mean? And that is, oh, of they, course. They, they try to 
try to skim along and, and whatnot. The final thing that I would say too is when you're doing a migration like that org migration, this is just a little tip, plan on keeping that org, believe it or not, around for like a year, even after mm-hmm. you've, even after you've, you've basically migrated off of it, even if it's just maintaining a single license so you can go back and potentially pull subsequent data out of it if you had to. That's a good tip. And there's currency to be mined even in old data. Oh, right? totally. Totally. Yep. You mentioned a few of the pitfalls, but do you have a, you know, a standard go to five or six or three to four that you really counsel these clients in that post MA activity or that merging of data platforms and systems that really are relevant in just about every every use case? Yeah, I think so, Brent. Uh, there's there's a number of areas and, and if I just were to kind of rattle them off in order, probably number one is understanding the processes. And so what does the process roadmap look like today? internally. So how are things running today with the acquisition in place? What's the roadmap look like in the future? And how are these new processes going to be adopted? Number two would be know your systems and data, right? Um, so have a good understanding of, of your systems as well as the organization that you're acquiring in their systems. You know, they probably have their own ERP, their own finance, their own CRM, and uh, getting a good overall map of how those systems are working within those organizations is critical. Reporting, I think, is another thing, believe it or not, uh, that you should put high on your list of things to keep an eye on. How are you going to report on the data once you start collecting it? I mean, once you get a PSA solution in place, the data is phenomenal. It's rich. It tells you so much. And you want to make sure that you have a plan in place uh, and reserve time to uh, ensure that you're capturing that data, whether it's through uh, a product like Power BI Tableau or through the Salesforce reporting mechanisms. That, to me, is a really important one. Have the right team in place. So, and that would be from both sides. People need to work together. This is done by a village. It's not done by an individual. And so make sure you have a good team. And that's representative of all the different areas within the organizations, finance, operations, professional services, and whatnot. Not too big of a team. We don't need to make this um, some sort of a uh, an epic event where we need 35, 40 people on the team. The best teams I've found in the largest organizations tend to run around six to eight individuals, believe it or not. And make sure that they're empowered to make decisions. So in other words, they understand the process, they understand the roadmap, and they basically can make decisions on the fly as necessary. Time. Time is critical. So this is number five. Give yourself a reasonable time to execute. Lots of folks underestimate the amount of time and effort it takes to internally do this. Uh, There's work, obviously, from my team that has to happen. But from a client's point of view, there is quite a bit of work that needs to happen. And generally, the ratio is, believe it or not, 30 to 70. So 30% of the work typically falls on my team. 70% falls on your team. Things like change management, UAT, training, things of that nature. So there's a lot of things that need to happen and don't underestimate that. Just to give you an example, 500 seats, you typically would look at, so 500 PSA seats, you'd be looking at about 18 to 24 weeks from start to finish uh, for an implementation. That's not including merging actually to Salesforce orgs, for example. That is just strictly doing your PSA implementation. A complicated Salesforce merge can take anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks. Finally, number six, I would recommend have a plan, have a very clear plan and work the plan. I know it's a cliche, but it's critical, I think, to basically it's an agile process. But nevertheless, we do a waterfall type of plan every time uh, when we do these implementations. There's schedules, there's deliverables, there's milestones, and you'll see that you'll iterate through it. 
as you go. Ultimately, you want to follow this plan. And, and I think your leadership will want to see that plan, right? So it's, it's something that translates very quickly and easily to leadership into seeing uh, what the progress is. Those are the six key items uh, that we look for when we're, when we're working with clients. And, and it's the same approach that we do every single time when we walk in the door. Every client's new, their positions and their needs are new. And, and uh, whenever we jump into it, those are always the, uh, the, the key areas that we apply to them. Those are great insights and, and appreciate that. The alternate view, and you've had the business and the firm has been working with clients like this for quite some time, would be clients that engage incorrectly or maybe an example of post-merge motion that went awry, you know, something where, where they didn't follow steps and then the result was lots of data in different places and and messy and fragmented. Do you have any example of, of, oh, yeah. of one of those? Yes. What we have is this is, so we have an organization and they have made numerous acquisitions and the organization basically did two things. They wanted to approach it more from a technical side. So basically a bottom-up design versus a top-down design. So that was the first problem. And no matter what we tried to do to, to dissuade them from doing it that way, they absolutely were adamant that they had to, based on their resources and their availability of resources, felt that bottom-up was the solution. And so that was the first kind of red flag, and you know you're going to be in trouble. Uh, the second one was the organizations that were going to be brought into the uh, this new system were not brought in early enough to get exposure to functionally how things will look after it's built. So in other words... This acquiring organization built or was planning on building it and basically handing the keys over to these new acquisitions and the acquisitions weren't having any say functionally in what they were expecting to see. These other organizations are successful companies that are doing well and running well and have very bright people who want to be involved in this type of thing. They weren't involved. And when it came to going to a pilot release, some fireworks started to fly, and and uh, what we found was that the company doing the the acquisitions uh, got caught by surprise by the the companies that they had acquired and the strong responses that they got. So um, uh, it didn't go well. Didn't go well. Let's just say that. And it was avoidable from from day one. When we sit there and we give you give you a plan, it's based on experience and how it works and how it works for most folks. Now, on the backside, where we've seen some organizations who have approached it the correct way, a couple of options we've seen. We've seen the ones who are already made the acquisitions. Uh, they already are running and they need to go ahead and create rationalized process to do service delivery. And they realize they're running independently, but they do have a vision of what the future can look like. And they're open-minded to meeting early and coming up with a solution. That's critical. So in other words, they're open to the, the fact of saying, yes, we've got five silos. They all are operating. It's a little bit difficult. It's a little bit kludgy, but it's working. We do know we need to rationalize this and put everybody under a single roof. The first thing that we'll come back to them with is, can we sit down and before we even talk about the PSA, can we map out what your operational processes are going to look like in the future? Nothing sounds better than when I say, yeah, let's do that. Let's put in the time and effort and put that design together and, and make sure that we're all in agreement before we get into the system and build. Because nothing's worse than building it, turning it on, somebody goes, this is not at all what I was expecting. This is, and, mm -hmm. and, and that sets everybody back. So those are the kind of the two bookends of, of the extreme print that we've seen. Now, what we are starting to see subsequently, ironically enough, is people even being more thoughtful and saying, 
we're interested in a PSA solution. But even before we get into the PSA solution and looking for a PSA solution, would you guys help us to kind of map out and suggest how we can refine our processes to do better service delivery? That is even better because what ends up happening is we can not only chat with them early on and talk almost technology agnostically and come up with a design. Obviously, to be honest with you, we've, we've, we're thinking about Cantata all along because Cantata really, to me, is the top of the heap. And that is we're discussing things like revenue recognition, resource utilization, all of the various things that you want to see in a professional services firm and deliver on. So those are fairly new. I mean, it's it's seven years ago when I started this, nobody was approaching it from that point of view. In fact, they were almost looking at it as if they were purchasing Microsoft Word and dropping it into uh, Windows. And it was going to be as simple as that. Uh, and that would be the end of it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see the landscape is changing and people are willing to put in the effort and honestly spend the money up front to get a good, good design. No, that's outstanding. And failure to uh, plan is to plan to fail. But just to recap... You know, the top five things companies you can consider post M&A is obviously planning, thorough planning, have that in place, great stakeholder involvement. I think that a couple of examples you brought up where it was very technology driven, not persona, business leader driven. And then, of course, when folks are mandated to use a platform and it arrives on their desk and they say, you know, this doesn't fit my needs, really rigorous functional design understanding inventory, deep dive of where data resides today and ensure that that hygiene is done before that merge and then a PSA brought in and then biting off sequentially less early and building rather than going kind of the full-blown rollout where we're trying to accomplish everything. So those are those are really good insights. Anything else as we as we wrap? Any other considerations to leave with our guests? Uh, either PSA, M and A, or or restaurateur experience. <laughs> got a got, got a good couple of good cocktail recipes if you if you want those. I can send those over. The other thing that in this post COVID era of remote workers is. Uh, Honestly, it doubles the effort, in my opinion, for doing these types of things because communications, you know, as much as we've got Zoom and we've got Teams and Slack and all these mechanisms to communicate with, it still isn't as good as in-person, face-to-face, right? In fact, what we're trying to do now, and we're starting to see this with clients, is they're open to having those initial uh, discovery uh, sessions in person. And I highly recommend, if you can swing it, do it. It's worth the effort. You get a lot more done. You get to read the body language and it starts off your project rather quickly. It's tough to do it remote. You know, we've been doing it for years now, but if you can avoid it, I try to at least when you're doing those initial discovery sessions and then that initial design work, try to do it in person. Um, would be oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's really no substitute for that interaction. Well, this has been a great discussion, I think, packed with really relevant, practical steps and guidelines for those clients contemplating a merger, uh, maybe going through one or prepping for that inevitability and things to consider as they as they go through that process. And for our listeners again today, we've been we've been joined by um, Ingo Romer, the Chief Operating Officer and Senior Solution Architect at Solvit. So thank you again for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great. And for our listeners, of course, we always like to hear from you. If you have any follow-up questions for myself or Ingo, please reach out to us at podcast at cantata.com. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.